You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Hello, and welcome to SpyCast from the secret files of the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. I'm Peter Ernest, the executive director of the museum. I served for some 36 years in the Central Intelligence Agency, largely as what is called an operations officer or a case officer. Every month we'll be bringing you interesting talks with visitors, with authors, with others who have something to do with the world of intelligence and espionage. My guest today is Mike Levin. He spent some 46 years in the National Security Agency, and this is after a uh, serving in, in World War II, field artillery. As a young man, went with the National Security Agency and remained for that time. Uh, he was involved in almost all aspects of the agency, both producing intelligence and then for some 18 years in setting policy and determining policy. He was, in fact, for many years, the spokesman for the National Security Agency. So, Mike, uh, we're delighted to see you here. Welcome. And I'd like to I'd like to kick off with with what is a tough question, really. What is NSA? What is what does NSA do? People hear so much about it. In a few words, tell us what NSA is. The National Security Agency is a member of the intelligence community, but it's more than that. It has two principal missions. The one mission is the production of signals intelligence. It has control of uh, nationally of all signals intelligence activities, whether conducted by uh, civilian units or Army, Navy, Air Force, or Marine units. Uh, the second mission of NSA is information assurance, uh, what used to be called communication security. NSA has the responsibility to provide protection for all secret communications of the government, communications of any element that has to protect information in the interest of national security, State Department, uh, FBI, Justice Department, anybody, the Pentagon, all of their secure communications are provided by the systems developed by NSA. Okay, let me break that down just a bit uh, for our audience. You use the term signals intelligence. What is What does that mean? What is signals intelligence? Signals intelligence is intelligence derived through the interception and analysis of foreign communications, whether they be radio communications, telephone communications, uh, 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 electronic uh, signals such as radar, uh, internet, any any anything that involves communications, 
if studied, can produce intelligence about what the correspondents are up to. And with that signals intelligence, we provide some of the most timely and frequently the only critical intelligence on foreign activities, whether they be from foreign governments or from terrorists or from drug traffickers or so on. You also use the term communication security, COMSEC, you hear it as, uh, for State Department and other agencies. I take that to mean that that includes both how they communicate, the devices, the, uh, the electronics, the hardware, as well as the software, which would be encryption codes, things whereby uh, you enable them to communicate securely with their field offices and with each other. Is that a, is that a reasonable exact, explanation? That's exactly true. That's exactly true. That's, NSA has the responsibility to produce all of the equipments that provide for encrypting of these secret or top secret communications, uh, also to provide for uh, encrypted voice communications and so on. You know, when you, were, uh, when you and I were talking earlier about your career, uh, you mentioned that one of the, the first arenas that you went into, and in fact you went into it for a period of time, and then you were asked to, to teach it, so you taught the first course, and you used the phrase traffic analysis. I think we all know what traffic analysis is if you apply it to the Beltway and trying to get around here in Washington. <laughs> How are you using that term as far as signals interception goes? Traffic analysis is uh, the art or the science, whatever you want to call it, of making information come out of the externals of communications. By that I mean the from and to and the time it was sent and the location of the sender and the location of the receiver without necessarily being able to understand the content of the message itself. And it's particularly important when the message itself is highly encrypted and you don't have the benefit of being able to understand the message itself, but you get an awful lot of information from these externals, the traffic aspect of, of the communications. And so in a, in a say, you've de developed an expertise in, in uh, intercepting signals and just listening to the volume and the direction and the nature of it, and from that being able to draw intelligence data, things that give you information. Exactly. That's exactly what is done. Now the other, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the other part of it, of course, is the, is the cryptanalysis and decryption of the message itself. Very often it's possible for us to do that. Sometimes it is not. Sometimes we only have the traffic analysis to go on, and we are not able to break into the special system that enciphered or encrypted the message itself. You know, I know many of our listeners are, are uh, aware of the important role that uh, decrypting messages played during World War II. I'm thinking of the run-up to D-Day. I'm thinking of the Enigma machine used by the Germans and the people at Bletchley Park breaking that. Now, my understanding as a layman is that it's gotten tougher, that there are actually things now on the commercial market that people 
can buy, as it were, whether they're drug dealers or, or terrorists or pirates or whatever, uh, which are tough for the, for the government to deal with, to decrypt. And that's certainly true. It's gotten tougher and tougher as time goes on because there are commercial cryptographic systems available uh, and they're used by terrorists in, in many cases. Uh, and as these things get tougher and tougher, we at NSA had to increase our capability so that we have, for example, some 12 acres of computers in our basement working that data to try to get something out of it. And uh, sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. You know, you, uh, we were talking, you had a fascinating example of the use of, uh, I think, both uh, traffic analysis and decryption during the Vietnam War when you were advising uh, uh, or in a, in a position to advise our pilots. I wonder if you can just uh, tell that story again. Well, this was the story of how NSA uh, had information derived from the study not only of North Vietnamese communications, but of Chinese communications, wherein MiG fighter planes were being vectored south <coughs> towards American fighter planes, and unfortunately quite a few of them were being shot down. And uh, we, we developed this information, but it, its normal reporting was too late to do any good, so we made the pitch to the people in Saigon who were controlling air activity there that we have to get this information directly to the planes. And their initial reaction was, no, you can't get stuff directly to any of our planes. You've got to give it to us first, and we say if it's intelligence or not. Well, we pointed out that if we do that, these planes are going to continue to be shot down, and that's on them, not on us. And so we did arrange, finally, to provide this information without providing the pilots who were not cleared, without providing them the, the source or the method by which we got that information. We just told them enough information so that they knew that a MiG was coming up on their tail at uh, 500 knots, at such and such a vector, and so on, and they better get out of there and we started saving pilots' lives. I think that was uh, what fascinated me, but there, there were lives saved as a result Absolutely. of you doing that. You recall that one of uh, uh, General Schwarzkopf's uh, concerns voiced after, uh, after the, uh, war in, uh, the initial uh, incursion into Iraq was that information was not getting down to the warfighter either fast enough or in a way that he or she could use it. And I assume that the NSA type of information would fall into that category, where it's, it's sort of hard to get it down the pipeline. Let me assure you that we now get the necessary information down to the actual fighter. We have people co-located with fighting elements, and they get the best intelligence that's available to us. And we did that in Vietnam. We had a problem during Vietnam in which Army people were complaining that we were holding our information behind the green door. You remember the discussion of green door syndrome? 
and I was asked to see if I could do something about that. And I spoke to the Army people and uh, said, what seems to be the problem? Why, why isn't uh, this information getting down? They said, well, our, our G2s at all of the divisions in Vietnam aren't cleared for this stuff, so they're not getting it. You're keeping it from them. And I said, no, we're not keeping it from them. You are keeping it from them. They said, but they aren't cleared. I said, why don't you clear them? They said, well, but we don't have sufficient cleared billets to clear all of those people. I said, you have a shooting war now. Don't you think that whoever controls your billets will give you all the billets you need to, to brief in and clear all of your G2s? They did that, and that was the end of the Green Door problem. Yes. It, it, sometimes we're own, we are our own worst enemy, I think, when we get into these... It, uh, it gets to be very... Conflict. Uh, it, it gets to be very yeah. tricky sometimes. You know, you touched on something there uh, when you were talking about um, uh, people being out in the field in order to provide uh, the information, the intelligence from Signals Intelligence. And I, I think uh, probably a lot of folks, uh, including myself think of NSA as being out there at Fort Meade. It's a very large building, and people sit there, and that's where they are for 20, 30, in your case, 46 years. And yet in talking to you, I get the, I mean, you had any number of trips abroad and into the field, and you spent extended time in the field in order to collect and develop this intelligence in the field. Is that, is it? In order to guide the people in doing what we had to do correctly. Uh, we had we had Army, Navy units out in the field. They were under our operational control, under command of the service, but we controlled what they were doing intelligence-wise. And they were co-located with fighting elements, uh, whether Army, Navy, Air Force, or Marines, and we made sure that the people got the information down front. So you actually, NSA has been, for years, has engaged in trying to get the information to whoever's involved in the field, whether it's CIA folks or we uh, military folks or, or we developed, whoever. We developed this capability to its highest point during the Vietnam War, when we had SIG and support units throughout Vietnam, throughout Vietnam, and uh, providing direct direct and immediate support to elements. Uh, another thing that, that occurs to me is one thinks of uh, signals intelligence as trying to listen to high-level traffic by VIPs or presidents or policy people, and yet I get the impression that a lot of it is collecting very low-level traffic, people down in the trenches and analyzing that. An awful lot of it is. We, we like to have high-level communications. It's very hard to get. But when you, when you have a shooting war, you've got to know what the other guy is planning to do, how many people he has, what is his percentage of wounded, uh, what percentage of replacements are they getting, and so on and so forth, so you know what the strength of the enemy facing you is. And that's the kind of information you get from low-level communications. You know, you touched on this a bit earlier when you were uh, telling me about uh, trying to uh, develop intelligence, I think that's the best word, 
on on you were asked tasked by CIA and 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 the policy folks to determine where the Soviets were 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 running exercises, whether missile launches, satellite launches, and you were telling me how that worked, how you developed that picture. Well, in in the the one particular uh, element that I had uh, back at the height of the Cold War. Uh, I had responsibility for uh, Soviet air communications, and we had many networks, networks involving flight service communications, navigational air communications, uh, aircraft uh, control, <clears throat> and, and so on. And uh, each of these networks had little bits and pieces. You can imagine listening to a control tower there's no real good information. They're they're saying yes and no, and uh, and uh, what's your altitude and what's your speed and 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 go to such and such a vector and so on and so forth. Those little bits and pieces, when put together, made fantastic intelligence, and resulted in us knowing where the Soviets were going to be testing missiles or nuclear weapons or what have you. Extremely important information just from these little bits and pieces that Ed Proctor wanted. <laughs> Fellow you and I both knew in the agency. You know, I, I, as I hear you describe that, it sounds uh, incredibly labor-intensive, although I know with computers uh, you've got another, uh, another way to process so much of this information, but um, we know that a lot of, of young folks listen to our program, and, and we've had a number of them express interest in the intelligence community, intelligence work. And, you know, with somebody who had almost half a century in, in, in the National Security Agency, what would you tell somebody considering a career in the intelligence community and perhaps looking at NSA? Well, th there are several things uh, that are needed by an organization like NSA. We need people who are familiar with electronics, electronic engineers. <clears throat> we need people who are linguists, particularly some of the languages that are, that are rarely used here in the States. We need people who are good at math, who will end up as cryptanalysts. Uh, we need people who, who understand international relations uh, people who are uh, well-versed in geography and politics. Uh, these, are, these are the kinds of things that make for a good career at NSA. And, and, a, and a career there, uh, I, I think you said it, among other things, and you don't think of it, offers an opportunity to travel and see the world and, and uh, uh, as you put it, uh, do something very important for your country. Absolutely, absolutely. It it uh, it's a it was such a a good thing to be doing that I didn't think about retiring when my time for retirement came. I kept on working. It was too good to leave. <laughs> both both the contribution to the national security and the contribution to my well-being. Uh, was worth it, and I kept on and, and, until uh, I had completed 
50 years of federal service, 46 with the agency, four with the Army in World War II. I fought in the Battle of the Bulge and so on. And that was 50 years, and I thought, well, that's a big, nice round figure. (laughs) Okay. Well, Mike, I want to thank you so much for joining us here today. And I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for your service to your country. Thank you very much. Yes. Where I think the country is very proud of you, and you should be proud of your contribution. Thank you again. Thank you. Well, we look forward to uh, continuing uh, this dialogue with you. And uh, we'd like to know if you have any comments or questions on today's SpyCast. Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, through email at spycast at spymuseum, that's one word, dot org. That's spycast at spymuseum.org. Thank you.